I look at all of the people that we look up to right now, right? You think about Martin Luther King, you think about Malcolm X, and you think about all those people who stood out. They all ended up dead. Is our life more valuable when we dead or then when we alive? In 1923, the city of Lubbock established an ordinance that confined African Americans to the eastern area of the city. Out of that confinement grew a tight-knit community of educators, innovators, and mentors. These are some of the stories from those who have helped their community blossom, even in the shadows of the past. After the police killing of George Floyd, protests erupted across the nation, including in Lubbock. Local media outlets flocked to a familiar voice from the Black community, A.J. McLeod. He's a local leader who's made it his life's mission to mentor young Black men from East Lubbock. Over the summer, he'd been holding peace walks to end gun violence in his community. And when the unrest broke out, these walks got a lot of attention. But AJ's message remained the same. Thank all of you guys for coming out. Um, we've been doing these walks to stop gun violence for the last four weeks, I think. That's, that's with the uptick in gun violence in our neighborhood. We're going to walk our neighborhood peacefully. We want to hear chants. We want to hear people loud and proud um, to be in Lubbock, Texas, but also just being a part of our community. When you see somebody who come from where you come from and that look like you and you know they've been down the same path of you, it's a very different connection that they can make with that. I think that's why a lot of kids are able to relate to me because they know I lived on Baylor Street, right? They know I lived on Arbor I know I had a single mom and me as a black man, that little black boy know I have to deal with the same things that he will have to deal with. I don't teach our kids really anything that I haven't experienced. My family and I stayed in a small house on 322 North Avenue T. You go by there right now and it's still this small pink house. It wasn't just me, my mom, my sisters. It was we stayed with my grandma and my uncles and my aunts and my cousins. And it was some of the best times of my life just sharing that space with so many people. It was a lot of people. But then I moved to East Lubbock, and it was a totally different world. All of our family kind of moved east to East Lubbock. Our community was so great. Me, Steph, Aaron, my cousin Leo, we were like four or five peas in a pod. We, we went to school together. We played together. We rode our bikes everywhere. So Steph would come over because he was a block away. I, I can't even recall a day that we weren't together growing up. And we went to, he went to Hunt and I went to Parkway. But every day at school, we was probably together. Then we went to junior high together. We went to high school together. We played every sport together. It was like, we was brothers. Father God, we, we bless you today for our Lord Jesus Christ. My mom didn't let me do very much. I was a church boy. Not growing up with a father, the church was very instrumental in me learning what a young man was and being a young man and carrying myself a certain way because I wasn't able to hang in the streets like a lot of 
our young kids are today and like some of my friends were able to do because we were always at church. It was the best time that I can ever recall. I, I was around a lot of men, but not having a man in my household, right? And my mom met a guy, K.Y. Anderson. K.Y. was a bald-headed man with some glasses, <laughs> who had a nice truck and an infectious smile. He was great. He was a solid guy, about 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, it was awkward, because I had never seen my mom with a man, right? Since I was five or six years old. So when he first came around, he was just fun. Right? He had rules, but he was such an athlete too. And him giving me that aspect in my life early on when we were young, just throwing the ball for the first time with a man like that, because that's not what my church folks did, right? They took us fishing, but they, they didn't teach me how to play basketball or football or baseball. And he made me play all of those things. He was just a great guy that changed our lives for real they dated for about six months and they got married on october the 7th 2000 on october the 18th two o'clock in the morning ky was shot in the face less than two weeks after getting married aj's mom lost her husband and he lost one of the closest males in his life slowly the life 15-year-old AJ had built up until this point began to unravel. I was at school. It's the fall, so we're in football season. And I remember my aunt coming to get me from school because um, I was a ninth grader. She came and got me and said, we got to go, something wrong. And we pull up to our house on, on, on Baylor, and we get out, and it's people all around, like everybody. And I'm thinking... Something happened to my grandma. And then they tell us KY was shot and killed. I had never seen hurt like I saw hurt that day. We were outside in front of, in our front yard, and it's fall, of course, so leaves everywhere, everything. A truck comes up the street, maroon truck. I remember it so vividly. My mom run towards that truck thinking, because KY had a maroon truck, thinking like, I knew it, and running towards that truck, and just to see that truck turn left on Aspen Street, and heard her just crumble in my arms. She couldn't believe it. It was, it was unbelievable. It was her calling his phone, her messaging, her every, everything that you could possibly think to do, get in touch with somebody that you just know is not dead. So we end up moving from Baylor Street to Auburn Street. I don't think it was even a few months and it changed my life completely because those five friends that I talk about were my best friends that we saw each other every day. We went to each other's house, played the game, we talked to our parents. I was now taken away from them. Yeah, and being a ninth grade boy, to be uprooted, it was, it was, that was our house. In my little community and that was our crew of people because we were all around the same age. And in the blink of an eye, that was just taken away. I didn't know the system treated her like it was her fault. Like she wasn't a victim, 
but a suspect. She had just lost her husband of 11 days. Not only was it this man was gone out of our life, it was we don't know why or how. We, did, we didn't know what happened that made that series of events happen where somebody would want to take his life. And we couldn't even stay at our same house because the man across the street drove that car. And for, I'm telling you, five days straight, every time that car came down the street, my mom was running out the house. But there was no closure on that at all. It's unbelievable that that's the way it happened and we still don't know. If that person was out to get us 20 years later, we would have no idea if they walked up to me and looked me right in my eyes or has ever shook my hand. I wouldn't know. Growing up without a father and later having the closest thing to a father ripped away, AJ now dedicates his life to mentoring young men. Last summer, he allowed our station to collect stories from kids at his community basketball games for a PBS project. He even contributed one of his own. Here he is answering the question, what keeps you up at night? Start by saying your name and then say the prompt in your answer. I gotta have this mask on? Either way. You want it on? You can, you can take it off. Yeah, you yeah. can do that. All right. My name is AJ McLeod. What keeps me up at night is worrying about our boys in our community and the things they'll go through and deal with in their lives. Steph been gone for 14 years and we were out of his grave the other day for his birthday, and it hurt just the same not to have him here. Steph was AJ's cousin, more like a brother to him. AJ mentioned earlier he can't remember a day they weren't together growing up. At this point, AJ's in college. My mama came to my apartment at 6 o'clock in the morning, banging on my door too, bawling, crying. And I'm thinking, dang, my grandma again. She was like, he gone. He gone, and she crying. And that's all she was saying. I'm like... He? What are you talking about? He? Like, who is he? She was like, Steph was shot. And I ran to my bathroom, and I had a cell phone, got my cell phone out, dialed his number, 577-2486 or something like that. Dialed his number. I called him probably 40 times. Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. And got his voicemail every time. One day he was gone, and it was like, like I was shot in the chest. I read the story again, and I hadn't looked at it since it happened, since Charles Dickens, that's his name, who, who shot Steph. And he was from Mississippi. I was reading a story, and it just talked about him running so fast and collapsing about 20 yards away from the car. A bullet, one bullet shot through him, pierced his lung, trying to get away from some witnesses who didn't want to be identified. You think about how that happens, where you can see somebody get killed and you can't say nothing about it. You're scared to come forward on it. And then that guy gets out of prison and you're instead of gone forever. And that's why people always say, how do you not trust the system? I'm like, I've seen the system. I've been pulled over by the cops and treated a certain way. I've seen my mom go through what she went through. I've seen my cousin get murdered and his killer get out of prison. And I think about how many of our parents are dealing with that right now. With as many kids as getting shot. That was my cousin, and he was like my brother. But 
I couldn't imagine if that was my son. That's what I think about when I think about our boys in our neighborhood. That does trigger that passion for me not want to see our young men take each other's lives. No more silence in gun violence. 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 While AJ focuses so much on East Lubbock, he and his family did eventually move to another part of the city. They still consider it home though, and feel safer there than anywhere else in the city despite the bad reputation it gets from the media. You look at news headlines and it seems like you would be worried. But even my wife, not being from Lubbock, she feels, even to this day, more comfortable in the east side. I guess when I lived in East Lubbock, I wasn't ever worried. Like, I never feared anything. It's that community aspect. I wasn't worried. Our neighbors watched our house and not living in East Lubbock, it's not the same. I'm going to check on, I'm going to know all of my neighbors. I don't know half the people I live around right now, but the resources that I have available is totally different. If I get hungry, I can go outside my door and it's going to be 20 places that I can go. Whereas in East Lubbock, Sonic going to close at 11 and you're going to have to drive at least five, 10 minutes to get to the next restaurant. It shouldn't be that way, and it and it always has, and I don't know if I'll ever see it in my lifetime where that does change. Even though he doesn't live there now, he wants to see that change. But as he continues to push for that change, AJ has an intrusive thought. What if something happened, and now I'm not here to raise my kids? Do I stand up and speak out on things that's going to make people mad, right? When I talked about the school district or the city, how... There are disparities in our city, right? Like, we live in a segregated city. No matter how you look at it, speaking out about some of that in a certain way, would that cause somebody to be mad enough to take my life? You think about Martin Luther King, you think about Malcolm X, and you think about all those people who stood out, they all ended up dead. Is our life more valuable when we dead or then when we alive? That's something I have to balance out every day. I would never want to put my kids in a position where I'm not raising them. I would never want to leave them. Every day I think about being a black man in in America, in the world, and it's scary. Unified, joining together as we try to end gun violence within our neighborhood, within our city, and as well as we pay homage to George Floyd, who lost his life in the senseless act. Lord, we ask that we never have that sense in our in our community and with our Lubbock Police Department, and we thank you for them acting quickly on behalf of today's officer. We ask that every person here is safe and that every person here remains safe on their way home. And we reduce the stigma of, of what, what people know as East Lubbock. Lord, we just thank you for everybody in this in this gathering. And we ask that you continue to spread your grace and love and mercy on us each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Since the recording of this episode, AJ and his family left Lubbock and moved to the Fort Worth area where he'll continue to mentor kids. But it's pretty clear the impact he's had on Lubbock will last for a long time.
Be on the Report is brought to you in part by Texas Tech Physicians, Obstetrics, and Gynecology. To check out the full series of Beyond the Report, A Plan for Progress, go to beyondthereportlbk.com.